The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hi Krishna, you are listening to the Late Morning Program, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm honored to have uh, Shivananda Das and Madan Mohan Mohini Dasi on the podcast today. Thank you so much uh, both for joining. Thank you Thank for allowing you us. You Thank you, Krishna. Krishna. Thank you so much. So um, these this wonderful couple who's been married now 48 years, they just told me, uh, which is in itself a whole podcast. But I, I do want to focus on uh, how they came to Krishna consciousness. There's an amazing story behind uh, the way... Uh, Shivananda Prabhu went to uh, Germany and started Krishna consciousness uh, there, I believe. So we can get we can get started there. Maybe perhaps uh, you both can just talk about how uh, you came to Krishna consciousness first. Ladies first. No, ladies first. Yes. <laughs> Start, please. Okay. Okay. Um, I came to Krishna consciousness in Montreal. <clears throat> I was living in Montreal because I was a draft dodger during the time of the war in Vietnam. That's another podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we can speak about that. But anyway, I was living in Montreal and uh, uh, the, the temple had started in Montreal at, um, I can't remember the address. It was uh, Park Avenue. And uh, they had, uh, Janardin had acquired or rented an old bowling alley. And this was up on the third floor of uh, the facility. And they had taken out the returns for the balls and then put things down. So it was a big, wide open space. So at that time, they were arranging, or you could at that time in the movement, uh, they had uh, arranged that you could come and stay in the Hare Krishna temple for $10 a week rent. And you could get all of your meals. You had to be in at 10 o'clock at night. So I had been living in some other place in Montreal. And then I got kicked out of my room because of the expo. There was an expo in Montreal. And they were kicking everybody out so that they could get more money from the of people coming in for the expo. So my girlfriend said to me, okay, well, uh, why don't you go and stay in the Hare Krishna temple for a few weeks and then you can get another room somewhere. I said, mm -hmm, maybe I could do that. Okay. So uh, I did and uh, I never moved out. And uh, what year was that? 67? 60. I sixty seven, sixty eight, sometime. Wow. Sixty seven, sixty eight. Mm -hmm. So that was the situation. So um, I had come to the temple before. At that time, Kirtananda was the cook, and I'm telling you, the doll was so spicy, it was amazing. But the, it was prasadam, and it was like, it was like, it was really 
amazing. Prashadam. And you had to mix the dal with your rice because what? When Kirtananda would cook in the kitchen, he'd have the pot of dal, and then he'd have a separate container with the chaunch in it. And right. then he would take the chaunch, the tongs, and he would lift off the top of the dal pot and then boom! <laughs> And it was spicy, but but it was good. So anyway, prashadam, uh, prashadam was really nice. So anyway, yeah. uh, then um, I was, as a, because I was a draft dodger during the time of the war in Vietnam, I couldn't go back to the states. That's when Prabhupada was at Twenty Six Second Avenue. So I was initiated by mail. I think I was probably the first person that got initiated by mail, and Prabhupada chanted on my beads and sent me the beads back. And they, we didn't have, uh, you know, regular Tulsi neck beads at that time. So I got, the, Brahmananda sent me some yellow ceramic beads and told me that Prabhupada had sanctified them. And so I was wearing those. And so that's what we had for neck beads at that time. So. Wow. And, uh, and Prabhupada initiated me. I had some correspondence with Prabhupada. Um, before I was initiated, and uh, uh, so that's how it happened. And you were living at the Montreal Temple? Yes. Mm -hmm. And is that where you met uh, Mataji here? Or? No, we met in Berlin. Oh, okay. Well, maybe before Berlin, was it Bartelstrasse? I think so, yeah, in Hamburg. Uh, in Germany, I was back and forth between West and East and Berlin. And uh, so we had some different temples in Berlin. And then it was when we, the, we had the Kudam Temple at Kudam 153. And uh, I was the temple president at that time in Berlin. And I would write a weekly letter to Hans Duda and send uh, what we collected on book distribution. He was a GBC. Hansa Duda. Hansa was the GBC. So, so I understand you you met Prabhupada and you spoke to Srila Prabhupada and he told you to go to uh, Germany? No, not exactly. Okay. Uh, when in Montreal, Prabhupada would take a morning walk and I, was, I met Srila Prabhupada on a morning walk and I walked with him and I told him about some of the places that I'd been to in Europe before I was a devotee. Oh, okay. And then Prabhupada said, oh, well, you should go to all those places and open temples. <laughs> That's a lot of places. <laughs> I was hitchhiking around Europe, you know. Right. So uh, that was a lot of places. Um, but that's what started it off. And then I learned that Srila Prabhupada wanted to open a temple in London. Because the Beatles, they were getting interested in Maharishi. They were getting interested in... So Prabhupada was wanting to start things in London. So I volunteered. Well, I was a young young fellow uh, so at the time. So I had some wanderlust and I had traveled around in Europe for hitchhiking all over different Europe and parts of Africa. And so I felt a little confined, shall we say, in Montreal. And uh, I wanted to, you know, I was a young man. So, you know, young men, they like to have an adventure. So... Yeah, I was up for an adventure. Uh, I had had many adventures even previous to that. So uh, I uh, 
volunteered to Sri Prabhupada to go to London to open a temple. And Prabhupada said, no, that's all right. You stay here and develop this center. So after a little while, I, I approached Prabhupada again because I was, I was kind of, you know, I, I wanted to travel around. I wanted to, as a young man, I had wanderlust and I wanted to have an adventure. And then, so the second time that I approached Sri Prabhupada, he said, oh, all right. But he gave me a warning. He said, when I came to America, I was a Calcutta boy. I never got cheated. <laughs> he knew, he probably understood that I was not very, you know, wise to the ways of the world. So he gave me that warning. And then uh, when I was leaving, Srila Prabhupada had just finished writing a letter to the Pope. And at that time, when Prabhupada wrote a letter, it was typed out and there was a carbon copy. So he actually gave me the carbon copy of the letter that he had written to the Pope, mm -hmm. you know, for cooperation and things like that. And so uh, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I was looking for an adventure. Mm -hmm. And Mataji, how did you join? Uh, let's see. I had graduated high school in 1966, and a friend of mine and I, that summer, we went to New York City, and we were in the village. And I remember hearing this little ping, 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 ping. And we, I, my friend and I turned around, and I, I didn't know what I was looking at. They were devotees, but I just saw some flowing robes and the ping, ping, ping. And I said to my friend, I said, New York sure is a weird place. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so that was my first encounter. And then, you know, subsequent years after that, I, you know, being a hippie, I saw devotees at different, what we called pop festivals, you know, at Woodstock. Right. And then in, let's Were see. Were the devotees at Woodstock? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. And then um, in about 1971, I was living in Madison, Wisconsin. I wasn't going to school there. I was just a hippie. And my brother was going to school there, I remember. And um, we, I had some, well, I had some contact with devotees at, at the time because they, I was working in what they called a free school. Free school was, it was like a nursery school, but free meant anything went. You know, there was no organization. It was just, you know, hippie type thing. So I was there one afternoon and uh, the devotees came and that's where they had their Sunday program. This was at the YWCA and uh, they didn't have a, a house yet. They had come from Detroit and just for the weekend. So I, you know, this was the first time I really had any encounter seeing the devotees, what they were doing, what they were saying you know, um, what they were eating. And uh, I was a little intrigued because by that time I was really finished with everything that I had tried and felt so dissatisfied. So it really caught my interest. Uh, long story short, I mean, I had started to go to the temple with a, a boy that I had met from Germany. And that's how I ended up in Germany. I went to visit him um, and... After a day or so, you know, I had been practicing Krishna consciousness for some time and he didn't practice. 
And I thought, this is not for me. So I left and I went to the temple in Hamburg and never left. And there wow. I was. Yeah, that wow. was. And much. when was the first time you met uh, Shivananda Prabhu? I don't know if we ever, I don't know if we ever really met until he was the um, temple president in Berlin. Because at that time, you know, men were off in one section and women were off in another section. And I don't know if he was even at any temple that I was at until I moved to Berlin. And he was the temple president then. Mm-hmm. And Hansa Duda had written a letter saying that he thought that we should get married. No, I wrote Hansa Duda a letter first. Oh. And I said, I used to write Hansa Duda a, a, a weekly a letter telling how the devotees were doing, how the distribution was doing. And, and so I, in one particular letter, I mentioned and I think Madame Mahan Mahini has gotten used to the idea that she's not going to get married. I didn't want to get married. And, and, and my, I, I'm feeling that way also. Mm-hmm. So the next letter that Hansa Duda wrote back, he said, oh, yeah. I think you and Madame Mahan Mahini should get married. <laughs> At that time, he was he was marrying people in Germany. Yeah. So that was... Actually, when Prabhupada came to Germany in 70, what was it, 74? Uh, he was going to have a fire yagya and for initiations and marriage. So, I mean, I w- we were already married by that time. So, but I remember devotees telling me, Hansa Duda, he said, okay, you with you, you with you, you with you, you're getting married tomorrow. Prophet's performing a fire, you know, they're going to have a fire yoga and you get, and that's how it was in those days. Wow. How, how- do you, do you know how many of those couples stayed together that you were married at the same time with or around the same time? Um, Let's see. They're not there. Yeah, there's maybe. I think. Well, well, we weren't. We weren't married at when Prabhupada came. We were right. married before that. And there were three other couples, and that was in Heidelberg. Yeah, that was in Heidelberg. Maybe one or two. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even remember all who they all were. Right. It's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time ago. So, what was the preach? What was like the temple situation like? It was like it was like a normal. American style, like everyone goes out in Sankirtan. Oh yeah, oh yes, everybody yeah. went out. Yeah, booked it. Well, we, there really weren't books in the beginning when we were there. We just mm-hmm. had, you know, the Zurich That was the Back to Godhead magazines, and the way Hansa Duda had organized it was that the um, half of the devotees would be distributing Back to Godheads, and the other half would be would have a kirtan down this up and down the streets. And actually, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. And then we'd switch every half hour, every hour. So everybody went out. Everybody went wow. out. We would jump in the van in the morning, and out we went. What about the language barrier? Well, in Berlin, it was a little bit different because we had we didn't. In Ber- when we were in West Berlin, we would travel by, you know, public transportation because it wasn't necessary to have. We we have a car, in Berlin, but. In other places, yeah, we all went. We all went in the vans. So, um, what was your question again? <laughs> uh, what was like? Was there a language barrier? Because it's Germany, uh, and you both are yes. American, right? At that time, well, my husband learned German. I didn't want to learn German. I didn't find. I German didn't either. A very <laughs> nice language. Uh, <laughs> when I was in private school, I took German, but I didn't get any. I took five years of German German in high school. And I, I didn't find German to be a very, you know, nice language. Like, 
<laughs> Apologies to all the German listeners. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Well, actually, but you, but you so, learned it. I somehow Krishna blessed me, and I picked it up because you know you have to go out of book distribution, you have to talk to people, and yeah, to preach, you know. So yeah, very very few people at, at that time, except for maybe in Heidelberg because there was a you know big university there. Most people did not speak English. And I did not know any German. So they would give me a piece of paper and name is Edasmit and gave me the unclenched spender means please take it. Give you, oh, you might probably would know. And please give the donation. And that's how I would, you know, read off this piece of paper and distribute it back, you know, the back to Godheads. Well, how did you do it? had different kinds of mantras that we would use on book distribution. Right. Yeah. So, and it was, and it was successful. I mean, it was, we had, I mean, it was, had a great time. It was, it was just wonderful, you know, and eventually just from being around German devotees um, and, you know, being out on the streets distributing, I gradually picked up, you know, German here and there. And at one point, actually Hansa Duna told all the devotees, don't speak English to her, speak German. And well, he also began to speak um, German in the classes. I didn't understand anything those years that I was in Germany. I didn't understand anything. When I needed to learn German uh, with the German devotees, I would speak German to them and they'd speak English to me. That way. So how long did you, how many years did you stay in the Berlin temple before you, you know, uh, went to East Berlin, I believe? Well, Berlin was back and forth. First time that we went to Berlin, we started a temple in Schlüterstrasse, which was near Kudam. Kudam was the Kudam was more the center when Berlin was divided. When Berlin became one again, it was changed. But the Kudam was the main uh, street. So the Schlüterstrasse was near Kudam, so it was quite central. But that didn't work out. And then we had a, a we had a, in uh, had a temple in uh, what was that street? But we had one in Holzstrasse, and then we had one uh, another one in one one of them was right next to the U-Bahn. Uh, Espan Hof, and you'd go up on the Espan Hof, and there would be West Berlin on the east, and there'd be East Berlin on the other side, and you'd see, you know, barbed wire and guard houses and machine guns, and you know, so that was one of, one of the temples we had also. And then we, so then I would be, go back and forth between Berlin and and the West, and then we got. I, w I was sent with Pritu, well, first it was with the Ikshaku, to Heidelberg, because we wanted to do to want to open a temple in Heidelberg. So then Ikshaku didn't work out, so Pritu came, and then we found a really cute little German house. Hantaduda was, he said, oh, you're going to see if you can find a gingerbread house, a little, and that means like, you know, a little house with many rooms. Right. So we actually found one. And it was in uh, south of uh, Heidelberg. Remember the street? Mm -mm, not now. Anyway, it was something that something that fascinates me about 
devotees like yourselves who joined during that time and who spread Krishna consciousness at that time is that I, I hear a lot of like, you're getting orders, you're getting, fr- uh, you're getting instructions from like a senior devotee who's like, for example, Hamsa Dutta Prabhu uh, or Maharaj at that. Was he Maharaj at the time or no? So um, did you ever feel like, I mean, I know now it's different, but did you ever feel like, oh, we're, we're God brothers and, you know, why is he telling me what to do? Or I could, I could think of something better to do or, or GBC. What's that? He was the GBC, right? He was the GBC. I find like there was a lot more cooperation at that time. Yes, it was. Everybody worked together to please Prabhupada. You would do what, I mean, you understood that, you know, that Srila Prabhupada and then the GBC temple president, so-and-so, and and they're all representatives of Srila Prabhupada. So you would, you know, we took that seriously. And whatever instructions we were given, you know, uh, for the most part, and we we all cooperated. We, We just, we were so focused on doing Whatever it took to please Shula Prabhupada, you didn't even think. Right. I mean, when when I was in Germany, we went on traveling sacred time, the girls, and we had to beg, you know, a place to stay at night. And we would stay in some faraway places, you know, a classroom or one time we stayed at a pastor's house down downstairs. But where were where were we gonna bathe? You know, we got up at two o'clock in the morning. We went outside in winters, all seasons, we bathed outside. Why did we do this? Because we were on a mission. And we and that mission was to please Srila Prabhupada. Everyone was so the whole movement was just focused in that direction. And that's why it was so successful. I mean, everything just, you know, the Hare Krishna explosion. Yeah. You know, and there was no question of you know, not doing, you didn't even think about not doing, I mean, I'm sure some people sometimes or whatever, you know, but it was just, I mean, when I think about, I think back in those days and I think all the things that we did, the austerities that really weren't austere, we didn't think about them as austerities. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just a place Shila Prabhupada and to push and on we this were very, movement. We were young, so it wasn't yeah. like big deal going outside. <laughs> and then you have a little thing like this (laughs) wow and so yeah tell us some stories that you have from that time of when you were going to east berlin or were there was it dangerous at some times or how how was that i was thinking can my husband tell how he actually got to that point of going to east berlin what happened there yes that's a whole yeah that's a whole story in and of itself well that the going to east berlin was arranged by hunter duda hunter duda told me okay this is what you do see at that time you could go over to east berlin from West Berlin, and you go over um, Friedrichstrasse. Uh, Friedrichstrasse was the big um, place. So you'd go to Friedrichstrasse, then you can go over it, and you'd change 10 West German marks to 10 East German marks. And then you'd have something to spend when you were there. So, and then you could had to be back by a certain time. So he's, he suggested, okay, you go over there and you know take your beads, and chant 
walk around, see if somebody doesn't stop and, you know, ask you. And this was in full devotee attire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, kurta and neckbeads and everything. So I did that for some time. I would go once a week. I think I'd go once a week and I'd do that. And But I never really contacted anybody. But then things started happening in East Berlin and they had what was called a Jugendfest. And young people from all over the whole communist bloc came to East Berlin and they had a Jugendfest, which means a youth festival. So at the youth festival, they would, everybody in, in Germany, they sometimes wear kerchiefs and they would meet somebody from Poland and say, oh, sign my kerchief. And so they would sign, sign. So that, then when they saw us walking around in devotee attire, you know, they said, oh my goodness, who's that? And so then they would come up to us and stop and say, please, here, sign my kerchief. So we would sign Hare Krishna. And then people would start asking us questions. And then we'd start answering questions for them. And then people would get, you know, everybody would gather around and they would hear all these. So I think that was the first public preaching in the communist countries, is that Jugendfest. And uh, then, you know, of course, when you're, when you've got a whole bunch of people gathered around and you're talking about God and God, Krishna consciousness, and then the, the communist, straight line communists, they would come up and they would challenge you. And the way they would challenge is they would say, can God make a stone that he can't lift? <laughs> He's not God. So, and so our, our answer to them was, well, yes, God can make a stone that he can't lift. But in the next moments, he becomes stronger. And then he can lift it. And then he can create another stone that he can't lift. Because people in general, they have a very static understanding of God. that He, he can't be changing. He doesn't change. Mm -hmm. But Krishna, there's Prabhupada mentions in the, in the Krishna book also, there's a competition between Krishna's opulences and Krishna's knowledge. So Krishna's ecstasies increase and then he gains knowledge of those ecstasies. And so, so it's, a, it's a very dynamic understanding of God. So this was something which was very unusual for them. And they didn't have, they didn't have any, any understanding like that. And then on the last days of the of the uh, uh, Jugendfest, we were, were walking through Friedrichstrasse on our way back home, and then somebody said, oh, Hare Krishnas. And so that was Eka. And he was, uh, he became Eka. His, his name was Edgar Kerbel. And so then we had somebody who was interested in Krishna consciousness in the East. And so then it developed from there. First, we would have meetings in the park because we didn't have a, a place in East Berlin. Then when we, after some time, uh, Eka had friends and so there was the piano band <laughs> in East Berlin. The apartments are kind of small. East Berlin, there was, at that time, there was a very great difference between East Berlin and West Berlin. Mm -hmm. Berlin, everything's kind of bright and nice and lights, and you go to East Berlin, it's all gray. Yeah, that was one thing that I saw. The people are all 
no expression. They were gray. Everything was wore gray. Every you look no advertisement. It was, everything was just gray. It was so. It was very depressing, actually. So different than where we lived in in West Berlin, because Kufersendam, the Kudam, was the nightclubs and theaters and restaurants and lights and the whole thing. You know, twenty four seven. It was just like going to a different planet when you went to East Berlin. Wow. So then. Um, he had a friend who was the piano man and he was studying music and he <laughs> one room and a whole big piano in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't know how he I don't know how he got that in there, probably piece by piece. <laughs> and you had to kind of like go like this to get around the piano. But we called him I still don't you know, I, I don't even know if we ever knew his name. We just called him the piano man because he was instrumental in helping us you know, um, we would have meetings. Then. Yeah, meetings. And when we brought books and, you know, smuggled books and, you know, like that. So you have to ask you, my wife about how she smuggled Bhagavad Gita, Manapravat Bhagavad Gita into East Berlin. Please, that's really fascinating. Tell us that story. Well, you see, it, we would do book distribution in the West, and there would, the East would let older people go yeah. to the West. But they wouldn't let young people go. Mm -hmm. So because the older people they were attached, they had some attachment. So we would distribute to you know people on, on the street. And then somebody from the East came and said, Ich bin from Austin, hab kein Geld. So they didn't have very much money. It means I'm from the East, I don't east, have any I don't money. have any money. Geld, yeah, money, yeah. I got right. that. So then we would, but we would give them magazines. And so some magazines were going into the East. And we found out with that, there was one elderly gentleman that was coming to the temple. And he said that they had secret meetings way out in the country. You know, there was a small building and they, the lights down or turned on, you know, they would meet way out where nobody else could see them. And he was the one that brought that back, uh, the back to Godhead to, uh, to other people, you know. So he, this old man was quite instrumental. Wow. In spreading Krishna consciousness, he, you know, and I think that's where Eka actually found out, found yeah. out about. Yeah. He was at one of those meetings. Who's Eka? Huh? Who's Eka? Eka was, he, he was Edgar. He was the first initiated oh. by Srila Prabhupada, but that's, that's a, another story, you know. Right. In this so, did, so there was... Yes. Right. So, so was there then? What happened after that? Was there a temple established, or was it still everything under wraps? We would we would go once a week. My husband and I would dress in. You know, we wouldn't wear non. Uh, we wouldn't wear devotional clothing at that time. Right. And uh, so we would go once a week, and we go to we'll call we'll call him Edgar at this point. You know, and we would bring things so we could cook because there this was, was at the piano man's house. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there was. There was, uh, you know, you couldn't get vegetables. There were some old gnarly potatoes and maybe a few rotten apples and some cabbage, of course, maybe some carrot. But that was it. So we would bring things over and we would cook a big feast. And um, Edgar, or Eka, he he didn't know any English. He didn't know any English. But he, he somehow or the other learned these words, tanking up. And he would eat. And take prasad, and of course, we always gave him whatever was left over um, mm -hmm. for the week. And he would just eat so much. He said, tank up, tank up. And he would eat. I swear he would eat for the whole week, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was he was such a, a sweet 
boy, he was so sweet and he was so eager for Krishna consciousness. So we would go over every week and each week when we, um, you know, to cook, we would bring different vegetables, we would bring spices, we would bring, you know, cooking utensils. And um, we tell, we tell the, the people as a Friedrich Strasser, we're going for a picnic. Yeah, that was the time I remember you had um, egg, raw eggplants and cauliflower, you know, big, they didn't even know what they were. Wow. They didn't even know what they were. And then, what is this? You know, and my husband said, oh, it's this, it's this. We're going for a picnic, you know. And, but, you know, after a while, they started getting a little suspicious. Now, I can't remember if it was um, the vegetables that my husband was carrying with him or it was the spices. But when they saw the spices, they were convinced they were drugs. And I thought, oh, great, you know, here we go. You know, you probably never you know, put us in jail. Who Somehow or the other, Krishna led us through. Now, I don't know if it was that time, the one with the vegetables, when I brought the Bhagavad Gita over, but I had a, like a small book bag. And it was actually the book bag that Satsrup Maharaj used when he was traveling with Prabhupada. And he would put Prabhupada's, you know, papers in there and uh, passport. And they had announced one time, this was in West Berlin, that, you know, can someone please make a, a new bag for Prabhupada's possessions? So I did. And so he gave me that one. So that was the one that I, I don't know where, I, I mean, the idea just came in my head. I've just, you know, obviously it was Krishna, but um, nobody had told me you should take a Bhagavad Gita. Over. Was, some of the other devotees were sm uh, smuggling a few small books. So I had the big Macmillan book and I put it in that shoulder bag and I had a big bulky knit sweater and I took that sweater and I stuffed it all around the book and kind of let it hang out a little bit so it looked like there was just a big fat sweater in there yeah so um but they they put me through a whole bunch of stuff before this yeah right well they yeah. there was yeah yeah so I, well that's what I said I couldn't remember exactly so we were going through um, it was Friedrichstrasse or Checkpoint Charlie? No, Friedrichstrasse. Friedrichstrasse. Okay. So we're going through, and they stop my husband, and they're just taking everything apart. What is this? What is that? I, it was either the the spices or the vegetables. I don't know. Uh -huh. And I'm standing behind him with this Bhagavad Gita, and all the spy movies I'd ever seen. I thought they all were running through my head. Oh my God, they're going to find me. They're going to lock me up forever. You'll never see me again. And I remember by the time they let my husband go through, and I was, you know, there was this guy. And by the time I got to him, my heart was like, he could probably see it going like this. <laughs> I was so, I was so scared. I just, I thought, if I, you know, if he says one word to me, I'm going to faint on the floor. That's it. <laughs> You know, and he looked at me and I'm like, he said, okay. And he let me go. He let me go. So then we had a bag like he did. But, but before that, I just wanted to say, and we got into the, uh, it must've been, the, oh no, it was the S-Bahn, the surface train to go yeah, to. You have to explain a little bit. There, there's U-Bahn, which is underground. There's mm -hmm. S-Bahn, which is surface, surface. And some of the U-Bahn comes out and, become a surface bond too. But I remember, you know, so, you know, they let me go and my husband and I are standing there waiting for the train and I'm looking around like this, you know, I'm expecting, I kept saying to my husband, are you sure they're not going to get me? Are you sure they didn't see what I did? Are you sure? I was so nervous. 
Oh my gosh. But anyway, like my husband was saying earlier, you know, you get on the train and you look out and you see all this barbed wire and you see towers with, you know, the guys with their guns and, and they you know, dogs and la yeah. And landmines. Yeah. It was, yeah. If you, if you had gotten caught, what would they have done? That's a good question. They probably would have confiscated <laughs> the Bhagavad Gita and turned her back. Either turn me back or turn me in. I don't know. Actually, one time it did happen. Remember, yep. we were driving yep. back from, from Stockholm? Stockholm. We, came, we had seen Prabhupada. This was, that was in 73, 74. Anyway, we were coming back and we, we had. At that time in, 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 the, in, the, in the Germany, Hanja Duda was doing Hare Krishna festivals. So we had a Hare Krishna festival in Berlin, had a Hare Krishna festival in Dusseldorf, and then, and then we had one in Prabhupada was coming, so we had one in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. and yeah. That was very interesting because uh, in, in, Sri Prabhupada spoke about the Gurvastika prayers when he spoke about that. But anyway, we had we were there in Stockholm. Yeah. So um, and we came back, but we came back through the east. Uh, and then we would hand out things, you know. Well, we had stuff. books stashed underneath, you know, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they weren't visible. Uh -huh. So somehow or the other, we had pulled into a, a school. I was either an elementary school or the next step up and kids are coming around the car. It was their recess time. And I thought, Hey, you know, get a book. So it was this, it was, and we didn't have very many books, so I don't know what, maybe it was a Sri Upanishad. Anyway, I took it out from underneath the seat and I just pretended like I wasn't doing anything. And I slipped it under the door to this one boy. And then we left. And sure and certain, shortly after that, we saw a car following us. And somehow or the other, they had found out at the school that we had done this and they called the police and the police were following us. So we had pulled into a, an area like a meadow or something, grassy area, to take prasadam. It was lunchtime, and so did that car. So they pulled us into the police station and started questioning us. And somehow or the other, they they let us go, but and with a with a very stern warning that we were not allowed to do this. So again, we were allowed to you know to go. But um, I remember one time, the pian I think it was the piano man, we were coming back from East Berlin. He had given us some really nice white thick honey. From, we're going to give it to the deities, for the deities. And going through um, Friedrichstrasse, you know, you had to really check your passport. Check everything. Checked everything. Anyway, they saw the honey and they confiscated it. And I said to myself, why would they do that? I mean, it was for the deities. Oh. And he yeah, and he was saying, well, they don't get these things there. So they took it. Right. You know, so. Well, it was regular. Um, and it, there was an autobahn that goes through uh, East Germany. And people in the East, they didn't have any bananas because they never had, to, they didn't have any countries that were in the South. So people would call up their friend and said, meet me on the autobahn. So they meet at an auto stop. And they trade vodka for bananas. Wow. That's how they would do. Yeah. So. You should tell that story about um, when with the suitcases and the books. Uh, yeah. Well, that was smuggling. Uh, I don't yeah. remember all the details. 
Yeah. Anyway, the, the devotees had made some arrangement with Eka to uh, for Eka to pick up some books. He brought. They met someplace on the you know on the uh, autobahn, and uh, exchanged suitcases. Eka got the suitcase with the books, and they got you know whatever empty suitcase. So Eka was putting it in. Um, what was it? A train, a train station or a bus station or something? He's putting in a locker, and the police came up to him and wanted to know. You remember that? They wanted I to know what was it. in there. Somehow or the other, he was able to convince them not to open the suitcase. And wow. he, yeah, you can see how Krishna was protecting all the way. Mm -hmm. And um, one time, though, I remember we had, we used to have, once a month, we used to have, like, get-togethers there in East Berlin. And we invite very, you know, certain people. And, or Aka would, and his friends would, you know, come and they would invite certain people. We had to be really careful. The phones were tapped. You know, people were keeping an eye on us. Wow. And but you could call from the west to the east. I could, I could call Aka. Yeah, but I remember that one time when you called and he was, you had to be very, we hadn't heard from him mm -hmm. and we were afraid something happened to him. And, you know, you could tell the phones were tapped. So you had to be very careful what you said and how you said it, you know. So, yeah, so we had meetings, very secretive meetings, but obviously there was somebody there that kind of caught on to what was going on with us. And, um you know the 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 police were definitely keeping an eye out for us and on us i should say so that one time you went you and aka yeah. went you got to tell that story that's it uh well we hadn't gotten very much response from anybody so we decided that uh, i would we would go to east go to east berlin we go to the piano man's apartment and then we would change into dotis we were going uh, in dot for the Yugen fest, we went in our dotis because that was you know sort of pro proclaiming who we were. But otherwise, we would go in regular. So we were thinking that we should try and make some stir up some interest, and so we went over. And I got a, a doti for Aka and Aka and I in dotis and kurtas. We started walking around, and then we were apprehended by the police we were charged with disturbing the peace <laughs> as if they had any peace <laughs> so anyway we were charged with disturbing the peace and we were brought in to for interrogation and you know it was like one of those spy movies it was just you know one light in the, in the questioning and this and that and separating and so many different things. Well, they had separated you into two rooms, into two yeah. different rooms. Yeah. That, and then they, they questioned them. And I remember, you know, usually my, I didn't go that time. Usually my husband would come back by, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night or something like that, back to the temple. And he didn't come back. And I'm looking at my watch and he didn't come back and he didn't come back. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what happened? You know? So, so finally, yeah, when he came back, it was after midnight. So I had a key with me for the piano man's apartment. And I didn't take my passport. You always, so had, always had to have a passport always, with you in Germany. Well, in Germany in general. Yeah, yeah in Germany. So I told them 
I, I left my passport in the apartment. And, and so they were very curious. Okay, whose apartment? What apartment? So I I said, oh, well, I'll go get my uh, my uh, passport. So I, you know, it was just like a spy movie. You have to look, look here and look there and then try this way and go this way and then go that way and you know, make sure that nobody was following you. So I went back to the apartment and I got my passport and then I had the key in my hand and I thought, well, I, if I go back with this key, it's not a very good idea. So I closed the door and put the key through the letter slot. And then when I got back, so they were they were wondering where the key was. And I said, well, well I put it through the, the letter slot. They were really upset because they were hoping to find out who had, you know, whose apartment I was using. And then, so anyway. And anyway, they, late at night, they dropped me over back into the East West Berlin. They were very upset with me. So then, eventually, eventually, what happened in East Berlin? Was there ever a temple or any kind of infrastructure for uh, well, programs? We were concerned about Aka. We there weren't it. many people that were, there was nobody really becoming interested. Mm -hmm. So we decided it was getting a little bit hot for Aka. So we decided we were going to try and smuggle Aka across the border. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> this is what we did. There was a, a U.S. Army boy coming to the temple. You know, when in, you're in, in the Berlin. army, I, I, from what I understand, I wasn't in the army. It, it gets very boring. So he was coming to the temple for, you know, find something new. So we young asked, boy, young boy, he was probably yeah, well, twenty years old. Young. Yeah, it's probably twenty years. So old. So we asked him, "Do you have a second uniform?" Because U.S. Army personnel were allowed over Checkpoint Charlie to go to East Berlin without identification, as long as they were wearing their uniform. So we said, so we suggested to the uh, army boy, we want you to put on one uniform on top of the other. And you're going to go to this specific club where army personnel and East German people can meet. And then you're going to say, you're going to say, ah, oh, the weather is a little warm, isn't it? And then that would be a, a key. And say, oh, that was yeah, the password. The password. <laughs> and then he would say, oh, he would respond with this one. And then he would say, and so they would know they were meeting me. Then they were going to go into the men's bathroom, and he would take off one uniform and pass it to Aka in, in underneath the uh, uh, bathroom stall. Bathroom stalls. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's like a movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then... Because the army personnel can go across at Checkpoint Charlie, then he went to Checkpoint Charlie following the uh, the army boy, and then he tried to go across. Well, the army boy went through, no problem. And Aka started to go through. Now, one thing is Aka wore glasses, but he didn't have his glasses on. And remember, he couldn't speak any English more than just tanking up. Okay, so he can't see, and he can't speak English. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then... So they stopped him. Well, they weren't supposed to stop Army personnel, but they stopped him because they said, you haven't been through here before, and then so it all went. So then they put him in jail. And whenever they were questioning him, he would say, Hare Krishna. 
Yeah. What's your name? Hare Krishna. What are you doing? Hare Krishna. And so after about six months in was six months in jail? Six or eight months. Six or eight months in jail, they decided that he was undesirable and they put him over in the West. So yeah. They just dropped him off. And so he eventually got to the West. He actually West. did, and it came to the temple. But we and we saw him for a very short time. We see when we when when we were married, we had a fire yagya, but we never got legally married. And finally we decided, okay, let's do the legal thing. So when we did, we were we were at the embassy and they took our passports for, and they gave me back my passport, but they didn't give back my husband's passport because he had dodged the draft prior to his coming to Germany and there was a warrant for his arrest. So I remember the guy saying to us, Uncle Sam wants you back. So, you know, um, we we were wondering, you know, you can't you can't live in Germany without a passport without identification. So what to do? There was a, um, a television series at that time. What was it called? Run for your life. <laughs> we were thinking, should we run for our lives? You know, run and just here and there. Should we stay here? Should we go back to the States? We didn't know what to do. His mother, I guess she sent some money or tickets or something eventually. And we ended up leaving Germany for the United States at the very end of 74. And that was just around the same time that Aka had, uh, was released from jail into the West. So we never really. That was also when the police raid took place in Germany. Yeah. The police yeah. raided the temple. That was in, in the West, in West uh -huh. Berlin. Yeah. Because, West Berlin and at the Schloss. Yeah. Because. There were all these, um, let's say, stories that the Sankraton devotees were supposed to tell on Sankraton, and they were not they were not true. And the police were catching on to a lot of things. And then they raided the temples. We were in we were in the West Berlin Temple, and you know they confiscated cars and money and keys and this and that. You know it was a huge it was a big court case. Yeah, it was a huge thing. But funny story, um, when they when they raided the temple in West Berlin, I, I guess I wasn't feeling well. I was lying down in my husband's office upstairs, and they came in, and they were just really gruff, you know. And what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm not feeling Why don't you go to the doctor? Why don't you go to the hospital? And I said, you know. Anyway, we finally made it through that, and then they started looking through my husband's things. Now, in those days, we used to keep salt or even tea lock in the little, you know, those little film containers. They're about yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. And I think my husband had salt in it. And I heard, I could understand some germ by that time. So I heard them in the closet, you know, looking through stuff. And they said I, that they found it. And I'm thinking, found it? What did they find? And then I saw they had a film thing. They thought there was film. Right. So they're like, oh, we found it. And they're opening it up so carefully. And it was just salt. Yeah. They were saying, oh, Drogen. Ah, oh, gefunden. Yeah. And I said, it's a salz. Probier mal. It was salt. It was salt. Anyway, yeah. So So you left in you left her on 74 to come to back to America. Very the last day, Sylvester, that was their New Year's, what they called it. And I was glad to get out of there because in Berlin, where we lived, it was just a wild scene. 
and fireworks and people were intoxicated and screaming and going. This was actually practically every night. Um, well, you have to explain also that the temple was actually right on Kurfürstendamm. Well, it was right off of, right you know, off. and it was just hoopla. You know, nine o'clock, I remember there was a restaurant kind of catty corner to where we were, and they had huge speakers on the roof. It was a flat roof. We go to sleep at nine o'clock, nine o'clock, they turn them up like full volume <laughs> and the motorcycle people and people scream. I mean, it was just, it was insane. It was like living in hell. And but then, it was a really good preaching temple. Yeah. And then at three o'clock in the morning when we get up, then they turn everything off and then it was quiet again. But um, I wanted to, you know, also say about, about the mafia. Yeah. That, okay. We'll save that for, we'll save for that. a second, but I just Even about, yeah, about Aka, um, his initiation. Oh, yeah. And uh, why don't you talk about initiation? Okay. He, he about actually initiated him and he gave him the name Aka. Through mail, through the mail. Through the mail. Mm -hmm. And we had a fire sacrifice, and I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> that was right in the piano man's house, where the piano was in this tiny little corner. We were there with having a small fire yagya in East Berlin so that Aka, you know, his initiation, you know, uh, fortunately, nobody found out, you know, where they could, I would think that, you know, they would think the place is burning down, but it was, yeah, and we, my husband performed the fire yagya, the first one in the East, wow. and the block for that, for Aka. Yeah, that was exciting. That was, that was really nice. What happened to him? Like, it's funny, I was just going to say. Well, I, when I went back to Germany for the 25th, 25 five years Revival, he was there uh, for the 50th. We we have tried to find him. I've looked, we, I, we've asked so many different devotees on, you know, social media, this Facebook, this, that. We don't even know if he's alive, you know? The you know? 25th anniversary was like in the no. 90s or something? Yeah, 90s something. Okay. Yeah. That's 90s. where you saw him last. I didn't. My husband was in Germany, went back to Germany then. And you hadn't seen him for Shivananda Prabhu. How long had it been since you'd seen him? Since 74. Wow. So that yeah. must have been a cool, what was that like, that reunion? Yeah, seeing him. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't have recognized him had he been standing right in front of me. I just, I couldn't remember, except that he wore glasses. Right. It's a tank enough. <laughs> and then they had, and then they had a 50th anniversary. Well, that was five years later, which is probably yeah. recently, right? We went for that. That was in sixteen, right? Two thousand sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went. We were invited back. They brought us there, and of wow. course, you know, not a whole lot of devotees went, but it was nice to see everyone and you know go to the schloss, you know, the castle where Papa had been, mm -hmm. and uh, you know the initiations and everything. It was you know, and we saw the house in Heidelberg, the little gingerbread house. It was so tiny, and there were so many of us that lived in there. Wow! I, I looked and I thought, really, is this where we all lived? But the backyard, you know, in Heidelberg or in Germany and Europe in those days, wow. everybody had fruit trees and flowers and roses, and it was just like a heavenly planet, really. There was a big walnut tree in the backyard, and Hans Duda would go up and get the wall. And I said, I had a camera. I said, I'm going to take a picture of the GBC and the walnut tree. No, no, don't take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> it 
but there were all, all kinds of fruits yeah, and they, all kinds of roads. I mean, it was just, yeah, hazelnuts. So oh. many different fruits and, and uh, flowers. And it was it was really nice. And then we went to Bartelstrasse. That was in Hamburg where, um, where I first joined in Germany. And they were just about, we were told that they were going to be demolishing that place. It wasn't a built temple. It was a um, warehouse. A warehouse. And I remember when I first, when I let, you know, I was only saw that German boy for a couple of days. Then I, I took a train to um, Hamburg and I got out and it's at the end of a line. You know, it was like in the middle of nowhere. And it was this warehouse. I think this is a Hare Krishna temple. This is hmm. not even a house. You know, so I went up. Third floor. The, yeah, the third floor. And I knew it was a temple because outside the back door were boxes of cabbages. And I knew, well, who else would do all the cooking except devotees? So that's, you know, so that was a little nostalgic for me. I was glad that I saw, you know, where and we went to the first temple also on Eppendorf Abbey, number L. Mm -hmm. What's the story? What's the story with uh, the mafia? Oh, this was in West Berlin. So the temple was not a house. It used to be a, like a hairdresser salon or something like that. And they had one door in the middle and big, huge big windows, huge picture window. I mean, huge windows and this door That's where the temple room was, and then people could come by. Yeah, everybody see Arctic going on. Yeah, people would come by and you know stick their face in the window and look. What is going on? Here we are. Hare Krishna. Hare. You know, it was blissful, <laughs> and so much preaching. And so um, one night, you know, and especially at nighttime, all the lights are on inside the temple room, and it's dark outside. So I see these people you know, looking in the windows, these two guys, I could tell they were from Italy and I knew what they were doing. They were out, you know, on the town. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go out and try and distribute a back to Godhead to them or about maybe it was a Bhagavad Gita. I don't even know. We had the German Bhagavad Gita, but I knew they weren't German anyway. So I went out there and I started talking to them and I said, well, you know, maybe we'll come back. We're going to we're gambling. We're going to go out and whoever wins will give you the money. I said, okay. And I thought, I'll never see them again. So it was way after Arctic and it was kind of, I don't know, must've been nine, nine 30 at night. You know, everything is winding down inside the temple. We're getting ready to take rest. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I see some headlights and these two guys come to the door and to the temple door and they said we told you that whoever wins will give you the money so they did they gave me you know some a donation i said wait let me get your book so i think at that i think I, yeah i had the bhagavad gita the macmillan bhagavad gita and they said well we want you to meet our 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 boss our friend and i looked outside and i see this long low limousine and i knew what that meant Black. Yeah, a black limousine. I thought the Godfather. I never saw that movie, but I thought this is it. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, you know, am I going to see the light of day? What's going to happen? I was like, oh my God. So I had the Bhagavad Gita and they opened this door and it was just like in a movie. There were tables and chairs set up and this and that. This whole, you know, it wasn't inside of a car like we're, I was used to. Yeah. And so we, they take me down to the, you know, just in the very back corner. He's kind of sitting down. He was older, 
pot face, you know, pot mark all over his face, you know, and I'm thinking, this is the head guy. I mean, this is the mafia. And those two guys left. They left the car and there I was. This guy didn't speak English and I didn't speak Italian. <laughs> and I'm standing with the bottle. I'm a piccolo obbligato. <laughs> so I, and then I have this bottle and I'm, you know, I want to try and just, and the guys before they left, these two guys before they left, they said, here, tell them about this book. How am I going to tell him? I can't speak his language. So I was saying a little something, Bhagavad Gita, God, or whatever. And the only Italian word I knew was bambino, you know, children, little. And I, I don't know what I was telling him. I just was, I just wanted to get out of there. He actually took the Bhagavad Gita and gave me a donation. Wow. Yes. I, yeah. And um, we didn't exchange very many words. He just kept looking at me like I was something from an, another planet <laughs> and so eventually eventually the two guys came back in the in the limousine and they escorted me out and i thought wow i'm alive i made it out <laughs> and they closed the, you know the two guys went back into the limousine and then it just whoosh, took off just like you see in the movies and i couldn't believe it and they actually and it was an english bhagavad gita but they had, he got Prophet's Bhagavad Gita. That was the first and last time I, I saw any of them. But um, wow. it was quite an experience. It was quite an experience. That was quite an experience. Did you hear when you were in Europe about when the couples went to London, or was that after you got back to America? I wasn't there I heard, at the time. I heard about that because I was in, oh, yeah, you in Hamburg. We, First, I first went to Berlin to start a temple. So um, I found a store. In those days, the temple meant storefront. It's like 26-second Avenue. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so I got a storefront. And I found a storefront in Kreuzberg. I don't know if you know anything about Berlin, but Kreuzberg is kind of like, at that time, it was kind of like slummy. And, you know, there... there from the Second World War, there were bombings and there were shrapnel holes in the buildings. You'd see big holes. And, and wow. I wasn't there then. I didn't come till 72. So anyway. Uh, to Germany. Well, actually, I went, when I was in Berlin, I was thinking of going to Switzerland because everybody in Europe knows that, maybe everybody, everybody knows, in Switzerland, everything is first class. So I suggested to Sri Prabhupada I was going to go to Switzerland. And then Prabhupada said, nope, I want you to start, start stay in Berlin and open a temple. So I said, oh, all right, okay. So I found this little storefront in Kreuzberg, and it was not, not much, you know. But anyway, that was the beginning. So then I wrote Sri Prabhupada, and I said, okay, I'm open the temple on Thursday, and we now we have a temple in uh, West Berlin. And so Prabhupada was very pleased. And he actually said to me, what can I, how can I bless you? I, I, I wish you a long life. So wow. anyway, Sri Prabhupada was very pleased. So then Krishna Das and Uttama Shloka came from San Francisco. And then they thought that, well, 
West Berlin is kind of like an island. It's in the middle of the DDR. So maybe not so good for young people. Maybe we should go to the West. So I said, oh, okay. So we, we packed up and left there and we went to Hamburg to start a temple there. And then eventually at, I found a little storefront, Eppendorfer Weg, uh, number 11, Eppendorfer Weg 11. And um, no, that's how we started uh, in uh, Hamburg. And then Srila Prabhupada, then at that time, we were aware of what was going on, not kind of a, a little bit aware of what was going on in London, because John Lennon had invited the devotees to come and stay at his estate. Right. And he invited Srila Prabhupada. So, but Prabhupada on his way to London stopped, first of all, in Hamburg, and he spent uh, uh, three weeks, I think three weeks in Hamburg. And Krishna's, by Krishna's kindness, I was, I was able to take Srila Prabhupada on his morning walk every day. I was able to give him massage every day and cook his lunch for him. There's a whole bunch of stories that I gave to uh, Siddhanta. How do you look back on these times of, for example, like so much risk taking and so much? Well, I was a young fellow, a young yeah. snapper. So I like to have an adventure. So yeah. I had had an adventure previously to being in Europe because I hitchhiked all around Europe and mm -hmm. Copenhagen and down down to Tangiers and places like that. So that was an adventure. So when you're young, younger, young man, at least at least for myself, I wanted to have adventure. I, I like to have, yeah. So it was kind of like an adventure. Yeah. yeah. Like for, for, did you want to say something, Matri? I was just going to say, you didn't think about it as a risk. I mean, right. like I was saying how nervous I was, but you just did it for Prabhupada. It's, yeah. it's just, you you know, we just gave everything to Prabhupada. We did everything for Prabhupada. And, um, you know, you just don't think of, and of course, when you're young, you don't think about risking your life like and it wasn't a risk so much we, at least I didn't look at it like that of course I look back and I think oh my god how in the world did I do that you know but I understand that it was you know that that was that was the mode that was the mood um let me do it to please show a problem whatever whatever it was yeah for, for for our listeners who are hearing this story at least I would think hearing this is like very inspiring that oh i would like to have a similar experience is there a chance do you feel in this in 2022 to to take risks and to you know go out a, go out on a limb to spread christian consciousness in this kind of really adventurous way i would i would bet if you were to go to the, any of the islamic countries and try and spread christian consciousness <laughs> that would be a risk right uh, dangerous dangerous mm -hmm. Where, what's the yeah what's the like balance between okay taking a risk for krishna but also being smart about it and not being like putting yourself in in like being close to death perhaps because i know there's like people die all the time go you know they get kidnapped or whatever it can happen so what would you say is a balance of those two things just let me interrupt a little bit yeah there's a story you should interview banabata 
Banabata had an incident where Lord Nasringadev came, helped him greatly. Very exciting story. Oh, I know Banabata, Prabhu. Okay, well, you should get the story about Lord. Okay, sure, yeah. yeah. That's a really... So he, anyway, he, you, you yeah. he'll, he'll tell you a story. I think the, but, qu the question is really, <clears throat> will devotees these days, will they take the risk? Mm. That's the question. I, that's, I always question that because... You know, um, the early days of Krishna consciousness, it was pioneering. And it was a kind of a risk in so many different situations. Of course, perhaps our situation with us in, in East Berlin was certainly a risk, you know. But I, I'm sure that there are many places in this world where you could take a risk to push on Krishna consciousness. But the question is, will you take the risk? Yeah. And will you do it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that point you made is, is true. That's a pioneering time. It's like the it's like the war time when, when everyone, you know, Prabhupada gave sannyas to really young people. This was like for the expansion of the movement. And now it's kind of like a maintenance phase, mm -hmm. I would say, of Krishna consciousness. How are we going to maintain our, our, our Krishna consciousness as a society? Well... Uh, but at the same time, there there are frontiers in Krishna consciousness. Right yes. now, in okay. China, I would say it was a frontier. It was a frontier in Russia, and look what happened. We got so mm. many Russian devotees. Yeah. My yeah. goodness, it was, it was amazing. And I heard that Prabhupada said that Chinese will be the last ones, but they'll be the best That's devotees. devotees. Right. Yeah. Wow. I also heard that. I don't know if I'd want to go to China. <laughs> but, You're too old. Maybe too old. <laughs> There's actually a there's actually a Gurukuli there that I'm trying to get in touch with. He's he's originally from Montreal and he preaches there in China. He has a family and he preaches mm. there and he actually documents everything that he does on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel with many mm. subscribers. Yeah, and he um, he actually reached out to me a few months ago, but I didn't get back to him until recently. But I'd love to have him on. Uh, his name is Nimai Nitai Das. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's exciting. Well, yeah, that is exciting. The Sadhu Sangha retreat when it was in Boone, yeah. I met a Chinese girl and I sat down and talked to her. I said, well, how are things going there? She said, well, it's, it's kind of secret, you know. And so that's, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah. I'd love to talk about um, your 48 years of marriage. I mean, that's just phenomenal for someone. I've been married nine years. And I had a, just a poor of a Prabhu on and with his yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. They've been think, married, I think, 46 yeah. years or something. Oh, yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about how you stayed together throughout these many, many years. Uh, tolerance. <laughs> tolerate. She has to tolerate me. I have to tolerate her. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, you know, in any situation. And I, and I think that also... You know, we take our vows to Srila Prabhupada very seriously. And come hell or high water, and hell and high water always come, you 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 stick with it because it's Prabhupada's request and it sets you know an example for others. And um, it's it's important. It's important to keep our vows. It's not easy. It's it's never it's never going to be easy. There are always ups and downs, but 
our dedication to to Srila Prabhupada and to his instructions are first and foremost. So you see your marriage vows as a instruction from Srila Prabhupada? Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, Prabhupada didn't want, you know, separation. He didn't want divorce. And I mean, I, I know circumstantially so many things have happened and, you know, and it hasn't been easy for us. Either. But it's not easy for anybody, really, yeah. mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's the material world, yeah. you know, and... Um, it was funny because we were watching the video with Apoorva and Kamalini, and then Kamalini was talking about, oh, well, he leaves his shoes right in the middle of the... Oh, and the cupboard door door's open. And and this, cupboard yeah, door. yeah. Whoa. <laughs> it's a universal exactly principle. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, it's a universal is it, is it is it that you both are um, gener like well-matched personality-wise, or was that... No. He's on one end of the spectrum all the way, and I'm on the other end of the spectrum all the way. But oh, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you that really what's kept the the uh relationship, the marriage going, we've have done some a lot of preaching. We really have. And that has always been a focal point for us. Right. And it just really, you know, you have to work together to you know, make something happen and preach in our, and, and our, at our home. Um, we've done, you know, there's so many, we had, you know, different engagements and different people and readings and this and that. So, you know, outreach. So you would say performing a service together and having that as a central point in your life has contributed to uh, a happy marriage for these many years. Well, yeah, yeah, having either a service together or at least, you know, keeping Krishna in the center, keeping your vows, your chanting, your the four principles, you know, maintaining these things, and, um, you know, like my husband said, tolerate and and uh, the ups and the downs, and although you know, I mean, maybe my husband and I wouldn't have been preaching together. He would have been off doing different things, and I would have been off doing different things. But you have to keep Krishna in the center. You have to keep Krishna in the center of your own life and in your lives together, and your mm -hmm. lives together. So, I mean, and I think another thing is that my husband and I always have, you know, we've done so many different services, but we allow each other the space to do uh, to perform the service that we are performing for Prabhupada. We, in other words, he doesn't say to him, oh, you can't do that. Or I don't say to him, you can't do that. You know, you can't do that service. So we've been, been able to um, incorporate that into our, our lives that we, you know, we engage in service. We just, you know, we engage in service. Mm -hmm. And um, He's don't... also a very good pujari. And we have a very beautiful deities in our home, Radhasham somewhere. I mean, she's been very much of a pujari. And when we came to Prabhupada Village, we didn't have deities, temple temple deities, or we didn't have community deities until five years ago. Mm -hmm. Six years. Six, six years, years ago. ago. Six years. Yeah. But right. of course, now we have some very beautiful born attire. So yeah. gorgeous. Yes. What would what would you say to someone who uh, says is looking for their life partner? I know in your situation it was quite different. It's the same with Apurva and Kamalini Mataji, like that they the temple authorities just said, "Hey, you guys should get married." But in your experience, maybe you, you've come across that okay, 
if someone asks us, you know, what, how should we find a, you know, life partner? What should we look for in someone? What would you say to that? I would say go get a good astrologer because Prabhupada astrology can be used for finding your partner. Right. And he also he said something about astrology can be used for finding the tendency of the student also. Right. Right. Superminical or Kshatriya or Vaishya uh, or Sudra. I, I also would say that um, make sure that you're like-minded. In other words, that you're on the same page in your Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your expectations? How do you want to live? Do you want to live simply? Do you want to, you know, try and make a lot of money? What you know, what what kind of standard of of living does each person want? That's very important because I've seen marriages break up. You have certain expectations, or you think this person was going to be like that, and all of a sudden that person's not like that, and um, and then people, you know. Well, for break. myself also, I. I feel I require some female association. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, it's also just like Prabhupada said, when you're milking the cow, sometimes the cow kicks. So you just tolerate <laughs> <laughs> What would you say are, are were, were some of your biggest challenges in, the, in your marriage throughout the 48 years? I'd say being a Guru Kula teacher. But I mean, in the relationship. Oh, in the relationship. Uh oh. Do we really want to hear the answer? Is is this going into the area where (laughs) don't talk about that? (laughs) I mean, we can talk about it. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I I think it's. I said that. (laughs) Or or maybe uh, on the other end, what have been the greatest. uh, like the, the greatest strengths in in the in the marriage uh, doing service together right now uh, i'm doing here in Prabhupada village uh, i'm doing some deity worship and so she's got a lot of experience in deity. Well, well right right at this time both of us are are the head pujaris here uh-huh, in uh-huh. village but i i find deity worship very purifying for my uh-huh consciousness so that's and she she's also she well she's more the head pujari i I, well but you know it's it's we're doing it together you know the strengths i I, you know like i said you know i've done different services but i think the preaching um being able to preach together really strengthens one's um Commitment to Krishna consciousness, commitment to each other, because this Lord Chaitanya Sankirtan movement, and it's all about giving. And prop, this is what Prabhupada, you know, he gave us Krishna. So, you know, we try to give others Krishna. And in doing that, we also help each other to give each other Krishna. You know, it's, it's a reciprocation. So... Yeah, as far as strengths, um, you know, here we are, two old dinosaurs. <laughs> and, you know, trying to, stick, Rex. <laughs> trying to stick it out to the end. 
Do you feel do you feel hopeful for the future of ISKCON, Krishna consciousness in the West? Well, I saw you see what happened in Russia, and I'm wondering about what's going to happen in China. I'm just curious how how is it going to how is it all going to take place? Um, Are you talking about the 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 just the spreading of Krishna consciousness? Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel hopeful with our youth, as long as our youth take Krishna consciousness seriously. Right. Um, I'm concerned about that. You know, I, you know, we've been around so many years. I see changes, a little change here, a little change there. And I'm not saying the youth in general. I'm just speaking in our movement. Yeah. You know, standards that Prabhupada's given us, instructions that Prabhupada's given us, you know, and there's one little change, then it becomes another change, another change. And before you know it, it's like, oh, um, what was that that Prabhupada said? Um, Prabhupada said something about that? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's not important. And sometimes you, you feel like that, that there's not the concern um, for uh, following Srila Prabhupada as he had, as he had taught us. Yeah. He had given us Krishna consciousness. That is my greatest concern. And I just am praying that our youth take up the process of Krishna consciousness seriously. Um, not just as a way of, of life, but but the spiritual aspects of Krishna consciousness, chanting, you know, um, taking initiation, you know, taking part in, in, in temple activities, you know, taking taking over our services, you know. So yeah. I feel that as, and, and I see that, you know, it, I, I mean, I feel, I do feel hopeful. I mean, devotees are being made, the Krishna consciousness is increasing, maturing, you know, so I, I do feel hopeful in, in that sense. I do, but I'm always praying about the youth that they, you know, they, they really step forward because yeah, that's, that's definitely a concern because there are good, there's going to be a time when you know generations down the line there's not going to be anyone alive who actually was in contact with Srila Prabhupada directly and right. knows everything that he you know that he knew his instructions and so there's going to be like there's going to be some challenges in the way we preserve what's going on you know from mm -hmm. devotees like yourself preserving the, the the way things are done the way things that should have been should be done according to Srila Prabhupada. Yeah, it's definitely a concern for sure. Yeah, and people nowadays they they just don't even question. They argue, you know. Yeah. Well, here we did this and this we did, but yeah, but this is you know Prabhupada has trained us. You see that a lot. I experience it a lot. You know yeah. that argument and uh, challenge. And it's not healthy. It is not healthy, and that's that's my greatest concern. You yeah, know, someone someone gave the example. I forgot who it was, but it was like in Central Park. There's always been uh, in New York. There's always been requests to like build a little bit on Central Park. And if they had if they if they had built over the years, um, approved those things, then Central Park would be so much smaller. But mm -hmm. because they've kind of safeguarded it from any type of changes or any type of, uh, I guess, yeah, changes from building onto it, then over time it would have been, it would have been slowly over time, but it, but then at the end we would see, okay, there's such a big, it's much smaller, but 
because it was safeguarded, I guess the analogy is that we should try to keep things how Srila Prabhupada wanted them to be. Yeah, and, and we also have to, um, you know, kind of flow with the times. You know, I see that Krishna consciousness is very different now than it used to be in the beginning. Yeah. You know, um, we were all in the temples with our fam families. Everybody was in the temple. Now it's just the opposite. So mm -hmm. it's how to, you know, encourage devotees, young devotees, new devotees, you know, people to come and take part in Krishna consciousness in the way that they, um, they can make advancement and feel a part of this movement. There, there are challenges. There are definitely challenges. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll oh. tell you, we won't be around that much longer. So, I just pray. <laughs> I hope for many, many years, so you can give the devotees your association. Still, we need you. We need you. Hare Krishna. Well, we need. We really need you. We really <laughs> need you. You are the future of this movement. And if you're not doing the do, you know, we'll leave this world kind of go. Yeah. Well, well, it was a real pleasure speaking with you both, and and thank you for all the service that you've done uh, to spread Krishna consciousness, to inspire us all with your preaching and with your example of being married for forty eight years. You might not, I mean, maybe you do think it's like a big deal, but for us who have been married much shorter, it's such a big deal, and it's such a great example that we strive to follow, and it's just incredibly inspiring. So, thank you so much for. Uh, for, for everything that you do and that you did. Thank you for your podcast. I just love them. Thank you so much. Them. It's so it's so wonderful. It's very inspiring, very enlivening. And uh, yeah. I saw the one that you were doing with uh, Kadamba Kanana Swami. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. It, it took wonderful. a lot to 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 um to get him, but when we did, it was, it was Oh, great. yeah. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. If, if someone wants to get in contact with you, uh, how would they go about doing that? They could email us. They could, yeah. you know. Let me um, get your email up on the screen here. Madan Mohan Mohini72 at gmail.com. Okay. Or 336 uh, 593 9888. <laughs> Madan Mohan Mohini72 at gmail.com. You can get in touch, touch with them there. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please so please stay on. I'm, I'm just going to turn off the recording. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.